And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Now, that's gay, right? <laughs> I hope so. It, I mean, I was going to I was going to make a docking joke, but they're both circumcised for sure, yeah. right? <laughs> well, they're going to pick up uh, at least 100 foreskins later in the story, so they they could they could use somebody that. else's. <laughs> they use Maybe, it as like a, that's they use the like point. A, they like use that's somebody else's large foreskin as a coupler because they don't have their own foreskins <laughs> to talk with. They, they, they use it as a Chinese finger trap for their dicks. This <laughs> <laughs> is kind of nice, except for the, the, the blood. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Growing Up Christian. I'm Casey. I'm Sam. And uh, we wanted to start. This is this is kind of like an emergency broadcast because we have to talk about this before the story goes cold. And uh, yeah. it's it's maybe the most important story of the year to me because I don't know. I value funny over consequential. And <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, we have been texting back and forth about Tennessee Lieutenant Governor Rand McNally, which, uh, you know, he's been in the news a lot lately. And uh, it seems like uh, Lieutenant Governor is kind of a job for jerk offs. Like, you're not doing much of anything. I guess you preside over the Senate. Well, big whoop, whatever. You know? Yeah. I mean, these are all made up jobs at this point, aren't they? They just live in a different universe and they create jobs for each other. And, I mean, I guess they have elections, uh, not saying they're fraudulent. I'm just saying like six people show up to vote for these. I mean, I know when I go to vote that I look at 80% of the names on the ballot and go, who the fuck is this person? So <laughs> I assume other people do that too. Yeah, <laughs> they're running you, you unopposed. Go, you go under like the first two items that you actually showed up to vote on. And then there's like 40 more columns that you have to vote on. Yeah. And you basically just go. R D D D R D all the way down. And uh, yeah, so somehow this Rand McNally fella ended up in office and Rand or Randy. I thought it was Randy. I, I guess it's Randy. I like, I like, well, Randy's great. Actually. I'm, I'm sticking I mean, with Randy. Yeah. And I don't think the irony is lost on anyone that his name is, is randy <laughs> like randy has been a real randy on instagram <laughs> i hope he's made his parents proud that he's lived up to the name they gave him yeah. so randy mcnally is a republican uh from tennessee which of course has been in the news a lot lately for you know all sorts of things whether it's abortion laws or lgbtq stuff or you know drag bands that kind of thing and book uh bands do they like book bands too there oh probably so book bands of a certain variety but uh old rand he's an old fella and he 
kind of looks i mean just old. close your eyes and think of generic elderly republican that's randy mcdowell just like imagine someone just like quickly with their pinkies carved a face into a blob of silly putty and that's randy mcnally <laughs> <laughs> randy mcnally looks like uh steve bannon's older schlubby brother that like uh owned a he let's see he owned a a, a chain of quiznos up until like 2004 when they put out that rat commercial <laughs> they all went belly up <laughs> And it's he's just like, basically been milking unemployment since then. Yeah, it's uh, he, it's like take take Clayface from the an- Batman animated series and throw a mustache on it. And that's- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Clayface, if like he was sleeping and a caterpillar was like crossing over his head. <laughs> uh. He looks like the sort of guy that's going to tell you to pull up your pants or or turn down your music or, you know, he's just that he's that guy. He's that guy that's going to make a comment about you wearing a mask in like April of 2020. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's got the big wide pleated khakis with his, all of his, uh, girth, his overweightness tucked into it. But the, the, the pants come tuck nice and neat under his man tits so it's kind of like a double tuck it takes it's a lot of, it takes a lot of skill but he he does it every morning yeah he's got like that uh that i lost to gravity build where like his his belly's just kind of like sliding over his penis at this point <laughs> like he occasionally gets stuck between his thighs and it's real sweaty and uncomfortable it's uh <laughs> God, it's like, did you see uh, what's the move? What's that Mars movie with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? When uh, oh, they open uh, the- Total Recall, yeah, it- Total Recall. At the end of Total Recall, when they open their masks on Mars and their face starts to melt. <laughs> <laughs> Randy McNally. Okay, if I had to bet, I would say that Randy McNally probably buys his grandkids savings bonds for Christmas. <laughs> he looks like that guy. <laughs> Can I can I pivot on Total Recall and potentially I don't know how people will feel about this one, but um, so I had a friend uh, when I was living in Boston. I had a friend, and one of his friends came to visit us, and his friend was uh, I believe he was Korean and very thick accent, super hard to understand uh, for me a lot of what he was saying, um, and I'm not I just not around a thick Korean accent a lot, so. I had to like ask him a few times uh, occasionally like to repeat himself. Uh, and even my friend who was close to him had a, a little bit of a hard time with it. And so we're walking around Boston and he starts talking about, he starts saying something and we keep thinking he's saying totally cool. And my friend's like, what's totally cool. He's like, no, totally cool. And he's like, what's totally cool. And then he points at a, a movie poster and we realize that he's talking about total recall. <laughs> The accent just made it impossible for us to interpret that one appropriately. But anyway, that's what I think of now when I hear Total Recall is my inability to understand Asian accents. So anyway, that makes me look shitty, I guess. Moving forward. Back to Randy McNally. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the reason that Randy's in the news right now is because he, uh, despite being a typical right-leaning Republican old doofus, 
he has been making some very uh, suggestive comments on young men's Instagram posts. And very young. Like we're talking like he is. I can't remember if this person's like still teens legal, but teen or if it's like Finn. I think so. That's what he calls him is Finn. I found him on Instagram actually. He's a, he's like a, he's a slender taut gay man. And uh, Randy was really into him. And I think it, What's so funny about it is like if you listen to the interview and they're showing clips, you know, they'll like flash across the screen like the comments that he made. And like his his Instagram handle is like it's the most it's like, hey, it's me, (laughs) Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally, the Republican. Is that his Instagram? (laughs) It's it's L.T.G.O.V. Randy. Uh, Grandpa probably shouldn't be here on Instagram. And, uh, so this kid's, okay. So like, there's a couple of pic like posts that they walk through here, but, um, so this person Finn or he calls Finn first, like shared, uh, what appeared to be a nude photograph to which McNally replied, great picture Finn best wishes for continued health and happiness. It's like what it, that's what your grandparents write on your birthday card. That's the that's like a a total like grandparent Facebook message. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not a message. They like you post a picture of you and a friend and that's what they comment on it, thinking that it's like directly (laughs) to you. (laughs) Yeah, you you uh, you post a selfie explaining that you just got fired from your job and your your grandparent comments under it. You're like. Grandpa's feeling better today. Love you. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's it. I love that shit. So there's another one where uh, this guy, Finn, he's got a photo uh, of Franklin. Was there one named Franklin? Franklin superstar or something like that. I think there's a couple of them. Yeah. Franklin uh, with a Y. But so this this guy posts one of uh, his underwear underwear clad buttocks, uh, to which McNally posted, "Finn, you can turn a rainy day into rainbows and sunshine." <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I I love that he's he's as old as he. I love that he just he doesn't know how Facebook works. It's or Instagram. Is this Instagram or Facebook? Instagram. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah just doesn't realize other people can see it. They can't like you can go to somebody's page and see what all their likes are. Like I don't I just love that they don't know how this stuff works. Um like when uh was it Ted Cruz who liked like a porn star's picture or something like that at one point with his Twitter yeah. account. And that yeah. happened so and then, actually and he's like, reading, "Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what happened. I'm old. I forgot." They're always just like, I was hacked. You're like, okay. You are I, a hack, Ted. Yeah, you are a hack. Uh, I, as soon as like I started realizing, like, like this is, I mean, this is common enough where pe- like political people like this end up, or um, probably happens with pastors a lot, uh, well, and just doesn't make the news. Um, but yeah, it just made me think, like, I should, I should more regularly check what some of these people who 
most people don't like. But no one knew Randy McNally before this. It's not like uh, it's not like Mike Pence liking a stripper's post or something like that, right? That yeah. would be amazing. Um, he's not a, he's not a rising star like Marjorie or something like that. Yeah. So like, but it makes me feel like I should regularly check up on these people more and check their likes and uh, who they're following and things like that. Because I bet they're I bet this is more common. Then you do you think this? Is, all right, let me ask you: Do you think this is more common than being reported, or do you think that it just people people find this every time it happens and it blows up very quickly? Oh, I think it's super common, and just people don't know. I I wouldn't have known who Randy McNally was, right? Even his handle, like Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally, or whatever, you know, like. Even still, I wouldn't have guessed like, oh, that probably is the actual lieutenant governor. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I've, there's this guy that I uh, I knew from back when I worked at Liberty, and he's just uh, I don't know. He's pro- I don't actually know how old he is. I guess he's probably in his. He probably had te- almost ten years on me, so he's probably in his you know mid forties. Uh, single, uh, always looking very strange he's just an awkward guy he's had a hard time meeting people and making making those connections but he kind of just hangs out in the same circles all the time and very awkward when it comes to like putting himself out there to women uh, in, a, in a way that would definitely drink make a lot, a lot of women on, no he's probably he a complete teetotaler um <laughs> but he's one of those people that doesn't seem to entirely know how facebook works because they're uh, uh, there, <laughs> there was this, uh, it was clearly one of those like new to Facebook. Let me know if you want to hang out. Like it was clearly a fake person, uh, follows nobody has like a hundred and something followers and they're all like creepy old men. And it's just like, hi, welcome. You look great. Like something just like weird about how good she looks or something like that. And you're just like, bro, everyone who's friends with you on Facebook can see this. And you should know that this person's not real. Uh, but you hit a certain point in your life where you can no longer distinguish on the internet between real and fake, I guess. it seemed, That seems to be the case. I think that's why most old people find themselves going down the bit shoot rabbit hole or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for real. <laughs> insane. That's why for a long time I got messages from my dad that were just like, check this out and you just don't open them after a while and facebook eventually was like filter them to spam they're like it's, it seems like you don't want this kind of content anymore and even facebook picked up on that and all of my dad's messages would be filtered to spam because it's like i don't want i'm not opening your alex jones videos yeah check uh, this out new evidence of the ice wall yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure most of what i would get was like I'm sure it had to do with uh, George Soros and how bad the Democrats are or something like that, which, you know, it's funny not to keep going down this rabbit hole, but even like about now you kind of like come, you start circling around, like, you know, when you feel like idealistic and hopeful for the world and then that just, just, uh, then you lose that. Maybe you never had it. <laughs> I'm having a hard time remembering that feeling. <laughs> well, I had that feeling for a little long, maybe a little longer than most. But um, and you just believe in the genuine goodness of some people, and then you realize that it that's hard to find, uh, especially when you know you need to fund elections. But it, like I'm at a point now where like 
occasionally, on occasion, things will come full circle in like me and my dad or people who are in those like very alternate camps from where I'm at uh, would agree on the same thing. And you just find yourself frustrated that you're like, I want to, I want that common ground. Cause you, you know, you want to have that relationship. You're like, I, I want to give that to you. I want to be able to say, look, here's where we agree. Isn't that nice? But I, then you're like, but I know it's going to be like, you know, it's for different reasons. So you're just like, I don't even want to give that to you. I don't, it's like, and then you just get stuck in your own head about it. You're like, I'm not going to concede to any of your points because then I'm just going to validate this path that you're on. And I don't want to do that, but I would like to admit that at some point, I think we agree on who the, the problem is. And, uh, I don't know, try to navigate those waters, I guess. Yeah. I feel like it's easy to, to agree on the, on who the problem is. It's the, 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 the problem comes when you start to talk about who the solution is. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Cause they're, uh, and I would really rather like the overlap on that Venn diagram be like more like it is with, you know, Lieutenant Governor McNally. I would like to agree with like if I was his grand, uh, his son, I'd be like, Hey dad, we can agree on that. This young gay man's butt cheeks look really good. You know, when we would be on the same page on something and that'd be, that'd be nice to have that moment. Yeah. But I can't, we're not sitting there agreeing on the, the nice butt cheeks of young gay men. It's just, I don't know. So it makes it a lot harder to, to agree uh, on, like. on when we find that common ground. Man, Grandpa, Finn is hung like a horse, and he'd be like, you ain't a whistling. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. He speaks in minion meme, which is like a, a language all its own. Yeah, that is. But so, yeah, he, uh, he there was another one, another one of him in his underwear. He commented, super look, Finn. Just a bunch of stuff like that. This is the kind of stuff he's been doing on Instagram. Like, clearly... He's attracted to men and he's voicing those feelings on, on Instagram. Like, so then he does this apology interview. Uh, I can't remember who it's with, but they're asking him questions about it. And he's sweaty and pockmarked and just, I mean, <laughs> he just, he just looks like a poloni sandwich on the hood of your car. <laughs> he looks awful. <laughs> <laughs> like an open-faced Reuben left outside for two weeks. And <laughs> he's just sweating, just like, well, uh, I I like to interact with my constituents and you know, I try to I try to be encouraging to to, to people and blah, blah 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 There's a point at which they bring up a post where the the guy he was following on there said something along the lines of like uh, there's a difference between uh, a slut and a hoe or something like that. And he said, like, I'm the type that gets free weed for giving great head. And so they bring that up in this interview. <laughs> Wait, that's what McNally said? No, no, no. That's what the person he's been liking back and forth. I think okay, this Finn okay. guy, I can't remember what point <laughs> is. But uh, they're like, they're like, and, and, you know, he's, I'm the type that gets free weed for giving great uh and then he alludes to a sex act like what what did uh what what was your thought process there when you liked that post and he's like well i i don't you know sometimes you just you, you scroll and you see a familiar name and you like it and stuff and they're like so you don't remember reading that post and he's like 
I certainly don't remember the part about the weed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why are you trying to protect your honor at this point? You dumb old pud. Like, just give it up. Just give it up. And like, he's he about tries to kind of lead I remember the, the head part, clearly. <laughs> yeah. He kind of tries to pivot in a decent direction where he's like, well, you know, I used to not be very kind to people from that community and like i'm trying to be better about that which hey if that's true then then great you know but like if you've got this record of like especially like recently kind of being on the on the front lines of this push to you know band drag shows and stuff like like you you can't expect that you can like pivot that direction at this when you're caught and expect people to just go, well, that's great that you're learning. Good for you. Like yeah. it is if it's true, but come on, man. And like, just be nice to gay men your age. Start there, dude. Don't start all the way at like 19. Maybe work your way down the age ladder. I don't know. That That's what makes it particularly uh, strange for most people uh if it was like a 75 year old gay man holding hands with his partner and was like looking good gary you'd be like that's a nice post from randy i like i appreciate randy right. making the effort but when it's like 19 year old gay kid talking about getting weed for good head he's like that's a nice post and finn you're like you started in the wrong place randy <laughs> <laughs> you didn't do it right. <laughs> you need to find. You fucked up a, being an ally, Randy. Yeah, find another walrus and and work on them. You know, these <laughs> can dust each other's mustaches. So, do they? Yeah, Randy we'll, we'll see where this goes. <laughs> what do What do you think the chances are that he's met up with? some of these people like maybe not the people that are mentioned in this post but like what do you think the chances are that he's paid for gay sex sex yeah yeah uh pretty uh, pretty high like like higher than the youth pastor or pastor who rages against homosexual relationships higher than that uh so i'm thinking like i'd give it an 80 percent chance even if it wasn't regular maybe he did a couple times it was like too risky uh but, you know, definitely, definitely got ahead in the back of a tinted to the gills Lincoln Continental at some point in his life. Certainly. <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, the other big news that uh, I feel like we, we need to talk about is the Silicon Valley Bank. And you said that you hadn't really followed this very closely, right? Correct. Uh, I've had a busy. This started like what was this like two weeks ago? But maybe all this started blowing up. Week yeah, and I half. think it's so. And fresh. Then, then, like the last ten days, it's become mainstream news. I feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Normally, uh, normally on my way home from work or my way to work, I have there's a few channels like I tune into uh, to to stay up to date on that happenings of the world but i've just had a I've had a busy few weeks uh and i'd say for the past two weeks i've been pretty dark on all all media all news 
So you're going to have to, you're going to have to bring me up to speed. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of avoided this story for a while. I feel like at I mean, this point in my life, that, what was the collapse of the, uh, the, Oh yeah. Sam Bankman freed and, yeah, uh, thank you. FTX, FTX, BMX, THC. <laughs> there's, there's some correlation there. Uh, kind of distantly but uh okay dude, i feel like i'm i'm 35 i'm close to 36 now mm-hmm. and i've watched like the financial sector face like armageddon I don't, I don't know how many times now i don't know how many times we've watched the economy be you know in peril and like the banking system just about fall apart since we've yeah. been old enough to realize that it was happening I mean, this thing is such a house of cards. It's it's hard to even even this at this point. Like, this is the second largest bank failure in history. Second and it's, largest. Yep. And Respect. I don't know. At this point, it's like it feels run of the mill. And uh, it's I don't know. So this is like the sixteenth largest bank in the I believe in the world. And what's crazy about this one is kind of like FTX, you know, they financial media and institutions and stuff were kind of like singing their praises right up until the the bottom fell out of that whole thing. Right. And this this is like the same thing over again. So I apparently last month in February, Forbes put out a list of America's best banks and they ranked uh, SVB as like. I don't know. It was like 13th or something like that. Cool. So, so what's the metric for, uh, by which you rate banks best? <laughs> how much Return the staff on from dividends? Forbes has, <laughs> yeah, like how much I, don't I personally have invested are. in that bank. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Uh, it's like the, though I can tell you the only news story and I shouldn't say news story. The old, cause I don't really know who covered it, but the only story that I saw about SVB was that uh, some really cool, just run of the mill Republican. I don't know. I don't know which Republicans and whose government, but we're like, well, the problem is wokeism, right? They ran some woke ads and tried to do some woke shit and that contributed to their collapse. And you're like, yeah, that makes they- a lot of sense. You drive a really good point. Uh, and I can really connect the dots on, on where all of their money went because they had a policy that told you, you couldn't play smear the queer in the office anymore. (laughs) (laughs) They were, they were like, I feel like it was like two weeks ago. I saw a bunch of stuff where like conservative pundits were blaming like an, a helicopter crash on wokeism. Oh my god! Dude, they know what they're doing, dude. They—it's fucking pathetic. It I is. Mean, and like, god, my, why are you uh, this stuff? Like, why are you, why are you like listening to these charlatans? These people are frauds. My wife's grandmother. <laughs> she, uh, she's an avid Fox News listener, so I know whenever she brings up any points, it's—I know she heard. She doesn't listen to anything else, so like. If anything, it's a good way to know what you're hearing on Fox News. 
And I didn't participate in this conversation because sometimes when I get involved in them, I'm like, this isn't like I get I get a little worked up because it's just so frustrating because uh, Fox News talking points are just so like they're just like you hear and you go, that's that's obviously that's obviously bad. Uh, you have to just live in a world where that's all you hear and want to believe that in order for it to be true. Uh, and it generally is like you have to have that mindset of everything's getting worse. This is the downfall of America. Nobody wants to work, blah, 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 blah. So but she she mentioned we were over there for dinner and she mentions to my wife about like uh, uh, she tries to bring up what's being taught in schools. And we're like, my wife's super good at deflecting and, and dodging these kinds of conversations with her. Cause it's no, you don't argue with someone who's like 92 years old about this, right? Like we know 92 year olds don't have good ideas about things anymore. And we, we still elect them for official offices all the time. But when there are grandparents, we recognize that their ideas aren't, aren't current. Uh, and right. They stopped absorbing new information a long time ago. Yeah. So she was trying to be like asking what the kids are, what our kids are learning in school. And she's like, because I hear in some schools, they don't even they don't even teach like math and English anymore. And we're like, no, they do. Like my kids are learning how to read and we're not teaching them. School is uh, and they know how to count by fives (laughs) and tens because school is teaching them, not us. Um, And it's. But we knew the conversation was clearly going towards like sometimes they're just trying to teach kids about and it was like code language for critical race theory and shit like that. And we're like, this is what. So that's what they're learning from Fox News is like they're not even five and six and seven year olds aren't being taught math and English. They're just they're not being taught anything anymore. And we're like, that's crazy. It's crazy that you can listen to that and believe it when you have people in your life who have kids in school that are like. And I live in small, like I have a problem with the right, how probably on the right side of everything, anyone who works in the school is. I'm like, I don't even like that. My kids say the fucking pledge of allegiance before school. Like I know every school does that. My school does that. And I'm always like, this is propaganda and I hate it and I get it, but I hate it. And like, if anyone's going to have a problem with what's being taught in school at their school, it's me. Like, don't worry. Don't worry, grandma. Like, your bases are covered in that school. I can almost guarantee it. I'm the one who has the, who's going to have the problem with it. Well, and I feel like when you tell them that, like, well, that that's, that's not true. They're, they're learning math and science. Like we've got connections to their school and multiple other schools. Everybody's learning math and English. And it's like, <laughs> you can almost see it like in their eyes. They're like, well, I'm happy for them, but you're kind of taking the wind out of my sails here a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like, well, I'm glad they still are in that school. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's specific Obviously, to our town and county. It's just so well, ridiculous. And it's, you can understand where they're coming from, right? Because they also heard that some schools are putting in litter boxes for people who identify as cats. Yeah. Well, that part's <laughs> true, at least. <laughs> God. So, okay. So if you're, if you... I'm by no means an expert on this stuff. Um, but there's there's two channels that I would highly recommend if you want to learn more about this and get like kind of a entry level view like I was looking for. Um, so one would be Johnny Harris, who does a lot of great videos about a lot of different subjects. I think he used to work for Vice, but uh, 
he did one about this that's really good. It's very base level and talks a lot about like the fractional reserve banking system and kind of how that plays into all this. Um, the other one's a channel called Cold Fusion. Uh, that's another one that does like fant- great videos, very informative. Um, and one that kind of ties in with this subject is uh, he did one called The Death of the Real Economy. That's about the 2008 collapse. That's really, really interesting. But so think about this in, in uh, like before we jump into this, you know, just so everybody kind of like fresh in your in your minds. So our banking system, your bank is only required to hold on to 10% of the money that you deposit there, right? So they have to have 10% of that money on hand, but the other 90% of it they can use to invest and to write loans and do all this other stuff and basically make money for the bank. That's the trade-off, right? They keep your money and they use your money to make money for the bank. And that's that's the whole basis of our economy. Like that multiplication table of money is why we're prosperous. And you and I are sitting here talking to each other on computers with Wi-Fi and all that stuff. Don't get mad. <laughs> so that's that's what you have to keep in mind when we're talking about these big banks and how they go belly up because like they may have deposits totaling whatever, however many millions or billions of dollars and stuff, but that doesn't mean that they have that money on hand. That money is often, is almost in every case, is out in the ether making the bank money or hopefully so. So SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, was kind of like the go-to financial institution for startups. Um, They were really big in the tech sector Apparently, like 50% of all U.S. startups had at least some deposits in SVB. So it's very big. If you're trying to get a company off the ground, you got money in Silicon Valley Bank. It's pretty much a given. Uh, That's kind of been their niche and how they've built their business model. And um, up until like the pandemic, that was going really well. So like in 2019, their total deposits, money put into the bank from all these startups, different things like that, total 200 or uh, 61 billion dollars and by 2021 that was up to 189 billion jesus christ dude that's wild business is good right but think about this so startups are like a very unique type of client uh and kind of a risky one you know would you call them unique in silicon valley i feel like they're like a dime a dozen yeah probably so there but uh, people from all over the place had money in these in this bank. So um, many startups, because they're a new business, new concept, launching from the ground up, like they have negative cash flow for a long period of time. Yeah. Right. They're they're spending more money than they're bringing in because they're building a brand and a company and they're paying staff and all that kind of stuff. So they have to go out and raise capital. They go look for investors to pump money into the into the startup so that they can grow and build and do better, you know? And so there's all these venture capital firms and stuff like that, that like, I mean, if you've watched the show Silicon Valley, like that's like a big, that's the whole show, right? Is them lobbying different, like huge investors for money to make their product. Right. Um, But because they're so low on capital and they, and they rely heavily on like investment from outside, they, they have to store that capital and they're going to be drawing from it all the time, especially if they're not bringing in a lot of new money and not new investments. 
Right. You um, take that money, you throw it in the bank, and then you expect to be able to pull it out when you need it. Exactly. All 100% of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, you got to pay staff and whatnot. But uh, <laughs> so through the pandemic, you know, up, up until the pandemic, like that's been a booming industry with lots of like big success stories. Right. But um, as the pandemic hit and got into full swing, like investments in startups started to kind of wane. They Makes weren't you bringing think, in the kind of money. Doesn't it? <laughs> almost like this, it was meant to be yeah that all of this was to bring down svb it's it's almost as if the people who will literally do anything for money were trying to ruin their own lives and destroy all their financial assets makes you makes think. you think doesn't it yeah it does <laughs> so it's almost uh, like they're working against their own self-interest to ruin everything for everyone now so that way they could eventually, hopefully, bring it back and even further ruin the economy with corporate greed and CEO and and, and uh, stock buybacks. I mean, it all comes full circle. It all comes first full circle. So uh, SVB had invested a large percentage of their total money in these long-term bonds, right? which are a really stable investment. Um, and bonds kind of fluctuate in, uh, in how lucrative they are. So when interest rates are low, like they've been for the past however many decades now, um, they don't pay out a ton of interest, right? But as interest rates go up, they, those, the interest that they pay out goes up and they become a lot more sought after and valuable. Gotcha, yep. So... Um, as inflation started to kick in, you know, normally what the Fed, what the Federal Reserve is supposed to do is raise interest rates to slow down the economy a little bit and keep inflation under control. But the Federal Reserve did not do that this time, right? They told everybody that inflation was a temporary thing, that it wasn't going to stay, and so they didn't adjust the interest rates like they should have. But as it got worse and worse, they basically had to like kick that into high gear. They adjusted interest rates very quickly, and it really didn't give the market time to compensate for it. So uh, all of a sudden, those interest rates goes up, go up, and those bonds start paying out a lot more. Like currently sold bonds start paying out a lot more. The ones that SVB's got all this money in are worth less and less. Like nobody wants these things because they're really not paying out. So like as those interest rates fluctuated, um, the drop in bond prices left SVB with a $15 billion deficit. Um, wow. Basically unrealized losses, right? It's, it's kind of like, uh, like buying, you know, a whole bunch of Dogecoin because Elon Musk is going to go on Saturday Night Live and then uh, the, the, the bottom drops out of it. And so you have an unrealized loss of, you know, some sum that nobody needs to know about. But as long <laughs> as you don't sell said Dogecoin, you never realize that loss, right? Because someday it's going to go up. I mean, you can buy your AMC tickets that way, right? It all so, comes full circle, as you once said. Yeah, full circle. So what you're saying is you you really, <laughs> on a personal level, like really feel and understand what SVB is going through. 
I do. This this hit this really pulls at my heartstrings, and uh, you know I feel for these fellas. So your team has to be beat. So I I got you. So we you're rooting you're rooting for their comeback. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I hope the FDIC does a great job of uh of managing. <laughs> so they got fifteen billion dollars worth of unrealized losses, right? Which is only a problem if you sell. These are stable commodities that will eventually, I mean, they're backed by the federal government. Eventually, right. you're going to get your money back out of them. But right now, the balance sheet is not look very good. Like, exactly. I'm, I'm 34. I'm not, if my 401k dips, I'm not selling because I know by the time I'm 65, it's going to look better than it does at its worst right now. Like, it's just, it, it's obvious that that's, that's the move. That's the point of a 401k. Now, if you get to a point, though, where you have negative money to your name and you can't pay your mortgage, now you got to consider extreme circumstances, right? Like you got to raise capital. Exactly. And so with startups really slowing down and having to tap into their reserve funds that are in the bank, SBB is getting really nervous. Um, So they announced that they were going to sell all of like a huge percentage of their bonds that they held. And in doing so, they basically they they lost one point eight billion dollars selling these bonds. Out Needed of to the raise 15, capital, right? They made that it's so oh, they had it's, they had eighty billion dollars worth of these bonds. Oh my god. And they lost one point see these people work with numbers that are so extravagant. That you can't even conceptualize what that amount of money means. I I know. <laughs> it's, it doesn't make any sense, and it never will. <laughs> it's just numbers on a screen. Yeah, it's otherworldly. I mean, I don't I don't even know what the comparison would be like if you if you converted that into what my losses were, right? Like if you were like they lost one point eight billion. And you wanted to translate that into what it would be like if I lost an equal proportion, like proportionally equal amount of money and be like, he lost $108. And you'd be like, okay, I don't feel, I don't feel so bad for them. (laughs) Okay. So the, the problem really comes with the optics of this because right about the same time, uh, SVB announces that they're going to be raising capital. Uh, that they're looking for capital, basically. And and everybody just starts getting real nervous. And like I said, they hold 10% of the total funds that they've been, you know, that have been deposited with them. And that only works if not everybody wants to, if it doesn't work if people want to all take their money out at the same time. That's where things become a real problem. And that's the same with your bank and my bank and every bank that's the problem with with the current you know the f- banking system that we have there's plenty of pluses that's one of the 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 real like weak points of it right uh, so everybody starts worrying about their money um, all these venture venture capital firms start telling their clients these startup companies they're like hey this doesn't look good you better pull your money out of here Make sure that you've got your cash should something happen to these guys. So there's kind of like a run on the bank. And uh, basically by March 9th, customers is, had withdrawn like $42 billion. Whoa. It's cr- that's always like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, 
when people start getting scared and they're like, well, I guess I should pull it's well, I guess that's what we see with fucking crypto all the time. Going back to your Dogecoin problem. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, everyone's like whims of the public. All you have to hear is an inkling from someone who has a lot to gain over their failure that this coin's about to drop. And if that hits, if that hits a, a, I don't know what sphere people talk about. Reddit, is that where people like to talk about Dogecoin or crypto? Uh, Reddit seems like a good place to go if you want to talk about crypto coins. It's such but a miserable what, place. I hate Reddit. <laughs> it's not great. It's a, uh, the, my favorite place to go on, on Reddit is off my chest. And occasionally people you can, co- confessing to pushing someone into the subway at night or essentially, something like that. Oh dude, there's some real fucked up shit on there. And occasionally, uh, people make fake posts about awful things that they went through or experienced. And you, some of it's so bad that no one wants to be like, this is fake, but uh, some, there's some, there's some tells and indicators that, that they're fake. Um, when you've read enough stories, you can start to start to see through some of it, but you become a discerning reader. huh? Yeah. Well, when they read like a fan fiction novel, you're like, all right, bitch. None of that happened to you. Like you're just making it's like shit that. Up. That just happened. Hashtag or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if it's too well thought out and there's like too strong of a narrative, instead of someone just like writing, like someone would actually write. I don't know. You can tell when it feels like somebody wrote it, like actually crafted a story versus like they're trying to like piece together a story that's really fucked up. Um, and then. On, like a, one of the bigger ones is like tells is when the the original poster doesn't interact with any of the comments at all. They like dump the story and then they like you don't see another word from them. It's like that might be not taking any might... questions at this time, huh? Exactly. And people <laughs> will ask. Reddit's a discerning group. I mean, I'm pretty sure Reddit could solve crimes at this point. Like if you what that happens, what's the internet thing where you like post a picture and they're like the internet does it better than the FBI and shit. They're just like, why the fuck do we have an FBI? Why don't we just have one guy that posts they, a they hostage either do photo that or they, they either do that or they ruin some like innocent person's life completely. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, but it's I one or the other. They're a lot in common with the FBI then, right? Why not just <laughs> the FBI should be one guy and all hostage photos filtered to this one guy. And he just posts it to like, reddit and then everyone else just tells you where they are based on the number that's written on the back of a pvc pipe (laughs) the fbi would solve murders but they're too busy like inserting a a known terrorist into like a local chapter of blm yeah (laughs) (laughs) or staging a coup in another country i guess that'd be more the cia's uh wheelhouse but giving some immigrant community smallpox or something like that (laughs) <laughs> God, they have a great track record i love the fbi yeah. yeah i mean clearly we should trust them with all of our deepest darkest <laughs> secrets so okay so these people start withdrawing their money they withdraw 42 billion dollars in the matter of like a day day and a half something like that and that wow. left silicon valley bank with negative 958 million dollars that's and not even totally a billion and they have 80 system. of those 
on paper, the numbers on the screen said that number now, and it had a negative <laughs> in front of it. <laughs> so uh, it just completely fell apart. And so, the, you know, the, 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 it gets weird because, like, the federal government insures some portion of our deposits, right? to stabilize the banking system and prevent a run on the banks and stuff like that. Like they insure our deposits up to a quarter of a million dollars, right? 250,000. But that isn't anything. If you're a business, like that's fine. If you're a, if you're a person, that's one thing. It's still like given the way the economy and inflation and stuff is going, it's not that much. If you're a business trying to make payroll for a lot of people, $250,000 is nothing. And so like all of these companies are like, oh my God, am I going to be able to get to my money? And and some of them had done some really dumb things like Roku, the <laughs> streaming service. Yeah, Roku I, have, uh, I have Roku a, TVs. Well, they had half a billion dollars in a checking account with SVB. Half a billion dollars in a checking account. In a checking account. Like, my God. <laughs> So this made a this made a real mess and and quickly people started wondering like oh my god is this a Lehman Brothers moment like is the economy going to crash or the whole all, is there going to be is this going to be black monday for banks and stuff like that and there has been some fallout from it but uh I don't know it still kind of remains to be seen here's some here's some interesting facts though about the lead up to this crisis and this is why like I guarantee you none of these people are going to face any ramifications for it, but this is just oh, things that you should them. know. All right. So um, SVB had no chief risk officer, basically no check and balance internally on themselves from April of 2022 to January of 2023. Like okay. Right in the middle of this, spanning this whole crisis. They had no one in charge of like manage, risk management and checking the the, you know, board of directors and stuff like that. Um, the chief administrative officer, Joseph Gentile, Gentile, I don't know what I should say his name, was the CFO of Lehman Brothers when it crashed. What? Dude, and, and like there's a bunch of those people that are just all peppered in here that were like- Double dipping. Like, you guys were some of the architects of the 2008 financial crisis, and now you're doing the same types of jobs and stuff for like banks today. Like, how yeah. is that a thing? You none of you went to prison, and on top of that, like you're all allowed to just, just like find another job, ruin yeah, another just like did it again. It's it's insane. It's like it's like when a cop kills somebody, and they're like, you could have your job back. It's kind of like that. Yeah. But with or, uh, you know, like a priest gets caught doing something awful. And so Just they're like, like how'd that. you like to be the principal of a school in Maryland? Well, I mean, if you're a priest getting caught molesting a kid, they're like, how'd you like to be a priest three towns over? And then <laughs> six weeks later, they're like, how about we just move you like halfway across the country? And then they go, France sounds nice, right? Do you want to? international travel sounds cool and they're like yeah and it's like they just do that until uh i don't How'd know you like forever. to go get blowjobs in a vatican bathhouse for the rest of your life <laughs> <laughs> like, great like, sounds good do i still get paid 
If this is torture, chain me to the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so one of the administrative bodies that was supposed to be overseeing and supervising SVB is the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. Uh, But SVB CEO Greg Becker was on on the board for the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. No conflict of interest there, of course. Jesus. Um, in the in the weeks leading up to the cru- to the crash, the CEO, CFO, and CMO of SBV sold a combined four point four million dollars in company stock. That's what I love. That's when things get really good. Uh, is when as things are crashing or looking precarious. You just have the people involved and at the top who mismanaged everybody's money, not only mismanaged, who made money off of other people's money, significant amounts. I mean, the like the number one most like lucrative. What is it? Is it? All, I forget what the percentage is, but for people who are like billionaire, if you look at like the Forbes billionaire list, almost all of them are like involved in the it's, you're just in finance. Of course, you're literally making money on other people's money, giving nothing back to the people who are your quote unquote investors at that point. That's what's crazy. You're an investment company and you make a shitload of money off of the little guy. But when you're the little guy putting all of your money into banks collectively, somebody makes a shitload of money off of that, but you get none of it back because you don't have like, you're not a quote unquote investor. You don't have investment tied to your name collectively. So if, it's so wild how like the it's just being rich makes you more money. We always see that, but how these people are like oh, god, the just the way that they can make so much money for years and years and then when things start looking bad, they can sell, make even more money and then just be like sucks to suck, bitch. I don't know what happened to all your money, but it's not my problem. It is unfucking believable. Yeah, and it can I'm happen like, everywhere. I mean, we see all of these collect. It just it doesn't matter if you are if you're in finance, you basically are indemnified. Like you can do that. You could do that with anyone, anywhere, all the time. If your salary is high enough, you're gonna be just fine, no matter how many people you fuck over. Yeah, and it's like you don't have to worry about hanging skinless from a lamppost, you know, you, or being broken on the wheel. <laughs> no, and I'm not saying they should get that, but it's fun but, to think about. <laughs> I mean, um, it would be I, put a little more power back to the people, right? You take a vote. Like this is okay. Hear me out. The people at SVB should the only people who should be able to hold them legally responsible for what happened are the people whose money that they were playing with. So anyone who invested money, anyone who had money tied up in that as a, as a small business, as just a, a checking account, anything like that, it should be, they should be the only ones that get to decide. That's my feeling. And all of those options uh, should be known ahead of time. So when you get into banking, it's like, okay, I'm putting these out there. We're voting on this ahead of time. So I know, I know from the very start, if I fuck this up for everybody, what's going to happen? And it's just like, you know, you could do just like maybe bring crucifixions back, something like that. Maybe, maybe you get to like, 
your investors get to be the ones that like tie you into the boat and hold the funnel while they dump milk and honey down your throat until you you're about sick. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. push you out into the water and let the insects fester. Yeah. Bring back all the classics for torture because it was perfect. I mean, it was really perfected a few thousand years ago. I would say uh, we've only, we've gotten sloppy <laughs> like, with torture for sure. Like waterboarding. That's a pussy's game, man. Bring back the real good shit and just put that on the table and be like, you die by, by one of these punishments. If all of us collectively agree that it should not at all, but like you just need a majority collectively agree that it should happen. And that would mitigate a lot of risk, right? Yeah. You like like the chief of financial oversight is Uday Hussein. Perfect. <laughs> just we have some good options to prevent some stuff like, like this from some happening. Like Chechen but still, warlord. Because at the end of the day, people are like We've all resigned to this awful, shitty There's situation. There's nothing you can do about it. People like, all that you can do off of us. There is nothing you can do about it. That's the whole thing. That's what's so annoying about this. And like, the government's going to step in and bail everybody out. It's, there's nothing else you can do at this point. I mean, even the people who are like, they shouldn't bail them out. Like, okay, but we can't have the the economy can't crumble to make a point to these people. That's right. That's where they've got you between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> and we certainly and, like, can't put them in jail. No, and and dude, that's that's the thing. Like as a normal person, that's what's so irritating about all of this is like your options. You you have no options here. I mean, because what 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 option do you have other than to just like invest and play along? Like if you just decide I'm not gonna deal with banks, I'm not gonna deal with the stock market. I'm just gonna like save my money and stuff it under the mattress, and that's what I'm gonna do. Like. Imagine if you're a person who scrimped and saved since like 1908 and you work in a regular job. You were able to like put together 5,000 bucks a year to set aside for your retirement or something like that. You know, you're talking about like 30 years or something like, I mean, what's that? $150,000. That's nothing. What what are you going to do with $150,000 in today's money? Maybe that was a big deal in 1980. It's yeah. nothing now. No, there is no choice because your money's worthless by the time it comes to like by the time you need it, it's not worth anything unless it's multiplied along with the rest of the economy. So we're all like tied into this big like house of cards game run by these criminals, and there's just nothing you can do. I mean, occasionally they screw up and it's public, and a bunch of people like lose their money, and that's just I guess the 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 side of it that we have to deal with. And then the news There's, gets to continue to make money on reporting stories that people pretend to give a fuck about. Dude, so they had a uh, they had a UK arm of uh, SVB, and uh, HSBC bought it for one pound. <laughs> it's like a dollar twenty one. They bought their bank for that much. There's like two hundred UK firms that said they're not going to be able to pay their staff. Etsy said that it's got to delay like seller payouts because they can't access their money. You know, like it's not be able to pay your staff. You don't, it's like, what the fuck? How do you have staff? The second you make the announcement, I don't know if we can pay our staff. You shouldn't have staff anymore. Everyone should be like, uh, bye, I guess. I guess I'm looking for a new job now. You're not going to have any staff to pay. What choice do people have? I mean, it's you got to work crazy. And like, 
it's literally like it's not Etsy's fault that they can't get to their money. I mean, their money's gone until the government makes this like go away. Their their assets are gone, which is why it's they'll just, obviously uh, get bailed out. But yes. but when there's a pandemic and people would love an extra thousand dollars in their pocket for a couple of months, every like you have a handful of people that freak the fuck out about handouts. That's the shit that kills me. <laughs> and, and, but that's the thing is like those same people, the people that are like, no, you can't, you know, it's socialism. You can't blah, blah. like they can take like a ceremonial stand against this and be like, well, they shouldn't bail them out. They should let them rot. It's like, yeah, OK, everybody'd love to see that. But obviously no, we- it's, it, it can't happen. Like, it's not practical. It's the, it, there's like so many things in this country where people like take these ceremonial stands and they like make long, in, you know, Facebook posts about like, if I were in charge, this is what we do. And it's like, yeah, that's not practical at all. So why are we talking about it? Like, you know, I'll, I'll give you a golf clap for the, for your, you know, brave patriotic stance. But, <laughs> you know, back here in the real world, like this is the situation that we got to, we can't let the, the, the banking system collapse. Right. So <laughs> you know? what? So we've socialized banking, so let's just socialize everything else. That's my argument. I knew, Don't stop see, with the rich. Just I knew socialize my uncle was right. Else. What? <laughs> I knew my uncle was right about you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a couple of fun facts, too. Um, so in 2015, SVB CEO uh, went and begged Congress to exempt banks with assets less than $250 billion from the regulations of the Dodd-Frank Act. And in 2018, a bill was passed that significantly weakened that act. It's almost like that's, that's just, it sounds a lot like that's how everything always works all the time. <laughs> it kind of does. It's a fun fact for sure. It's just like there's too many facts that are that fun all the time. That's I know. It's just like it. I wish they were fun again. Uh, maybe like, the, but the novelty's wearing off. You know. You ever heard that song? Too much fun. I haven't. Have you heard of the band? Too fun? much fun. What's that mean? It's like too much money or being too clean. I can't. It's like a girl too pretty or too much cash. Being too lucky, a car too fast. No matter That's what they say song. I've done, I ain't never had too much fun. It's like four octaves lower than it actually is. Oh my God, that's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I love how like you and April have the exact same reaction to uh, <laughs> like, the, the, the 90s country songs that I pluck out of the, the archives. I don't, there's nothing else to say. Like, how is that a, how it's like it, it's it's like the creativity of contemporary christian worship music but for country bumpkins yeah well you know what not everybody just wants to uh squeal about their feelings in their urban outfitters gear sam <laughs> i mean i think it's a tough sell to say that these country artists aren't squealing about their feelings but just because it doesn't, just because it's not branded as emo, it's like country emo. That's basically that's a genre. There is a, there is some of that, dude. The worst, the worst is like when they try to rap in the middle of it. That's it's awful. That's so much of it now, dude. It's terrible. 
it's just it's just really bad i'll i'll make an <laughs> exception like if you have a rapper guest on your song like someone who Nelly, legitimately raps course. right sure Nelly, why not? just yeah, bring them on uh, if you need nelly will do it i think nelly's at a point in his career where if you're a country artist and you need rap nelly will just do it probably for free at this point i think he's just happy to keep doing shit so ask him don't do it yourself ask him that's i that's i beg of you yeah please yeah like the main problem with rap is just that it's like the most accessible art form and like everybody can do it but very few people should yeah a lot of mm, a lot of people want to do it like a grant like a grandma at a at a flat earth rally okay i see like a a rap for you and and you shouldn't and then you say hey what do you uh it's like the channel five thing where they're like so you a big hip-hop fan and they're like "Uh uh-uh it's like well why are you doing don't do that why are you like (laughs) you can't just dip your toe in okay (laughs) oh my god Let's uh flat earth rap. I could, I mean, we could probably within like a matter of minutes, come up with like a flat earth rap that would might put a few coins in a hat at a Trump rally. You know what I mean? Like, do we want to, do you think we could do this together right now? Is that dangerous? <laughs> I certainly can't do it on the spot. Okay. Give me some time to ruminate on it. I'm sure I could come up with one. I think it'd be easy. What rhymes with at? I mean, flat at geez the world is flat this is definitely a thing that we should do in real time yeah, on our I recording think, yeah <laughs> okay sorry about that tell me a story a story are we are we pivoting we're pivoting jesus if All i right. have to talk right. anymore about banks i'm gonna put a shotgun in my mouth <laughs> Ugh, we'll have to put a trigger warning in this episode now. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, I could tell you a story. I guess pivoting at uh, at this point will work. I don't have a time. Well, this one shouldn't be too long. So, uh, but we were looking, look, podcast is called Growing Up Christian. We spent a lot of time talking about in the closet, lieutenant governors, borderlining on pedophilia and the banking industry. Uh, but we haven't talked about our father in heaven. So we should shift to a little bit of a Bible story, I think. Uh, and one of the stories I was looking at this week in my personal, uh, my tag time, I believe we've Your talked devotional about devotional time. time before, uh, time alone with God, is <laughs> uh, uh, First Samuel chapter 18. And, and that's where we... A lot of people are familiar with this story, uh, a story I like to call David and the Foreskins, which is what I would absolutely name a ska band if I had one. I think that might make sense for a ska band. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think uh, would any other genre of music make sense for that, Casey? It, it, or? it either needs to be ska or it needs to be like that type of punk where somebody like takes a dump on stage and throws it into the crowd. Okay, I can see that, like a like that real grungy, grimy, crusty ass punk. What's that punk. awful guy that people pretend is cool? The the one that like would like the one cut that took his the head shit open. on stage, blip. Yeah, 
that's not the one i'm thinking of but blippy is uh i don't i'm guess if you have kids you know who blippy is god the original blippy isn't blippy anymore but uh you might not know who he is casey Uh, he had a youtube show and he would just like go to parks in places that had all like were just full of young children and he would wear orange suspenders and a goofy ass hat and talk in a high pitch falsetto voice and just like go through play places and shit like that. And kids loved it. Parents hated it. Uh, And it ended up turning out that the guy who played Blippi tried his hand at being a raunch comic. And he at one point took a shit on stage. So I was thinking of Gigi Allen, but, (laughs) it's basically the same like very close neighbors all right to get back to the word of the lord uh interesting about uh first samuel 18 uh these are david and the foreskins people might be familiar with that story this is also where we're introduced to the uh the real passionate love of david and jonathan uh saul's son now i read a really cool twitter thread and I'm, I'm going to jump back to that after I start reading uh, through the word of the Lord here, because it pieces together some things that some people have always wondered. Uh, so chapter 18 of first Samuel, after David had finished talking with Saul, John Saul was for anyone who doesn't remember Saul's King, David becomes King. David ends up having like 6 billion wives and concubines and, builds worship centers to all their gods and eventually gods like you fucked up dude and then they end up in captivity again so that's the cliff notes uh but this is shortly after david killed goliath saul's like this guy seems to be able to take care of his shit uh he's on top of it so maybe we'll give him a chance at sticking around and see how this plays out so it's uh after david had finished talking with saul jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Now, that's gay, right? (laughs) I hope so. It, I mean, I was going to I was going to make a docking joke, but they're both circumcised for sure, right? <laughs> well, they're going to pick up uh, at least 100 foreskins later in the story, so they they could they could use somebody that. else's. <laughs> they use Maybe, it as like a, that's they use the like point. A, they like use that's somebody else's large foreskin as a coupler. Because they don't have their own foreskins <laughs> to talk with. They, they, they use it as a Chinese finger trap for their dicks. <laughs> this is kind of nice, except for the, the, the blood. <laughs> it's like one of those right. uh, one of those water wiggles that they used to sell at the Discovery Channel store, you know? <laughs> The ones that when you grab them, they continually like shoot out of your hands. Yeah. And they had like the hole in the middle and you could put yeah. a, a dong in both sides. It's an endless tube. And yeah, they just kind of, exactly. they, they touch the middle. They go <laughs> they do, a, do a little. 
Oh my god! There's a there's a uh, a moment where there's a little, and it's like, <laughs> hey, this is border on ASMR now, and I'm that's the only part of this conversation I'm uncomfortable with. Stop! <laughs> <laughs> All right, but no, this has been a long-standing like point of controversy that evangelicals like to pretend doesn't exist is that Jonathan and David had a thing. They're like, no, they were just really good friends. Uh, so I think what's they were cool actually is like, yeah. so uh, this guy on Twitter, R- Rabbi Mike or at Rabbi Harvey, uh, he had done, he just did a Twitter thread about these verses. Uh, and he points out a few other scholars who have similarly recently talked about this but this is this has been a i remember this being a talking point when i was like a teenager too uh, where people read it and they go this seems like like i i have close friends and i wouldn't describe any of my close friend relationships like that uh this feels very uh, romantic um so this guy this guy rabbi mike goes let's get the obvious stuff out of the way david was bisexual and he and Jonathan were lovers. The evidence in the text of this is very strong. And while some might deny it, those are the same men who scream that Song of Songs is about Israel and God. So let's just get through this. Uh, so he goes, we read that Jonathan's quote unquote nefesh, his soul became, I'm not going to keep reading all these words right. So criticize me on the, for it. Uh, <laughs> just read it and know that you would also say it wrong if you said it out loud. But Nick Shura, which is uh, it became bound up or binded with the nefesh of David. Soul on soul love, deep love. This is not friendship. This is soulmates. Moreover, from Hebrew point of view, the word is, then he says the Hebrew word. He shows the Hebrew translation, like it shows the actual text in Hebrew. Um, and it says, when David finished speaking with Saul, Jonathan's soul became bound up within the soul of David. Jonathan loved David as himself. Uh, he said, it's the feminine, sorry, it's the word that is parsed in the perfect third feminine singular. Basically, he sounds smart. So now you're convinced that he's right uh, based on that language. And he said, there is an attraction of souls that occurs. And there is. Uh, but one loved the other as himself. For those pointing back to the Levitical idea of a neighbor, this is not about a neighborly love. The wording is totally different there. Um, and this is the part that I find particularly interesting that seems to make a lot of sense to make an argument for uh, the fact that they got married. And there would be like this this idea of, well, they got married. David, <laughs> David got married a lot. So like... <laughs> <laughs> just just because he might have gotten married to Jonathan here doesn't mean that he was not getting married 400 something times later. He kind of cheapens the marriage really. Uh so that's Did a little Did he send a Jonathan's wife into the front line of battle to get massacred? No, he just does shit like that later. But uh interestingly enough though, we do see Saul try to do something like that to him uh later on but all right so in um in in the ancient near east the three elements that made a marriage were one a parental exchange i.e moving from one house to another two a vow or a covenant and three a gift we see each of these in the following verses 
Before we do so, keep in mind that these elements eventually evolved into a parent's blessing after it was tra- after it was transactional, the vows given at a wedding ceremony and a ring. But these were not the traditions of the time. So we have to be careful not to look for 21st century marriage culture and biblical texts. All three are there. And here we go. Saul, the father of Jonathan, takes David into his family. Saul and the verses, Saul took him into his service that day and would not let him return to his father's house. So David no longer returns to his father's house because why would he? He's marrying Saul's son. Once a marriage occurs, one of the people in the house, uh, one of the people's married leaves their father's house and goes to another. It's at this point, once parental exchange is done, that the vows come in. Jonathan and David standing together made a quote unquote Brit, a covenant with one another. And again, the words nefesh are used. So the word Brit isn't a friendly pact, but it's like an actual everlasting covenant between two people. And that's exactly what Jonathan David did. And then the gift in this, in verse four is when Jonathan takes off his cloak and tunic and his sword and his bow and everything else that he's wearing, gives it and gives them to David. So what a this cool guy, wedding as well gift. as, yeah, I know Casey, like what, what, how much better would that be? Like you would have loved if, to have gotten that for your wedding. Yeah, like if instead of a ring, like I got handed like a a sword or a shotgun, you know, that would have been that would have been very meaningful to me. I would have I would have enjoyed it because you didn't enjoy it, but you would have if you got those things. <laughs> is what you're saying? I got you. I also enjoyed the ring too. <laughs> Do you wear one of those rubber ones now? I feel like everyone wears rubber rings now. I've never worn a ring. I can't do it. It drives me nuts. Wow. So I just, whenever, when I walk into a room, I announce that I'm married. You're ma- yeah, that makes sense. And I'm glad you do that. Respect, out of respect for your wife. That's, I can, I'm picturing how that goes. I, you know what? I wasn't, I, when I was visiting and we walked into that cool Trump bar, I thought it was weird when you walked in. And it was just like five dudes with like eyes that were really close together and scraggly beard, neck beards. Uh, and you, you just screamed, I'm married. I'm married. <laughs> I didn't know why you were doing that, but it does make more sense now. I didn't realize the ring thing was going on. Yeah. I'm on that Mike Pence plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as you don't shift in the governor, Lieutenant Governor McNally plan, I think you and your wife will be just fine. We're going to be just fine. <laughs> All right. So that's the that's the scoop right there. This person, and as well as other uh, biblical scholars, will argue that Jonathan and David were, in fact, romantically entangled and that they did have a wedding ceremony. And do that what you will. Tell your youth pastor, ask your uh, your parents' pastor about it when they reach out to you to see if you want to have coffee after you stopped attending church for long enough before they completely forget about you or cast you into Satan's pit, whatever it is that happens. So like you sit down at Cracker Barrel and like, they just barely put the cream on the table and the youth pastor's like, so uh, tell me what God's been doing in your life. And you're like, do you think Jonathan and David were gay? Yes. You start there. Just kick it up. Start high. I'm actually like, I, I see posts from time to time. People like, I got asked out by 
my old pastor or youth pastor for coffee. And it just feels like I don't know what to do. It feels like I don't want to do that, but I feel bad. I'm like, uh, the right answer is to obviously do that and make them feel as uncomfortable as they've made other people feel their entire lives. It's just, it, I would love for that to happen. I'm desperate for an old pastor or youth pastor to reach out to me and ask if I would like to get coffee. That would be so great. Yes. I would bring him 100 foreskins. He'd be like, where did you get these? And I'm like, this is my offering to you. And he'd be like, what be like, the fuck are you talking about? Choose like, the most haven't you read the Bible? One so we can eat in the middle. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> All right. So this whole story, I don't really, this goes some weird places after they get quote unquote married. Uh, but it's whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. And this pleased all the troops. He's a man of the troops and Saul's officers as well. So he sends, Saul's like sending David on a mission, uh, whatever that was. I like, I love the language, the biblical language around whatever mission it was that Saul sent him on. We don't know. He could have asked him to go fetch him bath salts to snort. And he would have been pleased with the quality of bath salts that he got. Uh, so that you don't know what this mission was, but he did a great job. And for whatever reason, that one mission was enough because I don't know if you've ever seen anyone do a you're 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 a sales guy, okay? You're you're a sales manager. Mm-hmm. Have you sent somebody out, had them come back and had one successful day and been like, you're in charge of everything now? I haven't yet, but I'm open to the idea. All right. Well, maybe. I really like this form of military strategy, and I think it's kind of sad that we don't do this anymore. Like, you could just you know, instead of, uh, you know, like Hunter Biden getting a no-show position on like a Ukrainian energy company board of directors, like <laughs> make him a general. I support Give him that. troops. Give him troops to lead and tell him to, you know, go make us proud. Same with whatever well, flunky uh, Bush kid is up next. <laughs> it seems to be, yeah, it's like, that's just kind of what we've been seeing, I guess, what in in our lifetime have we just not uh, is there any has there been a president who hasn't fully escalated their fail sons into positions of power no no cool. no i guess i guess, Bush I guess Clinton and didn't. didn't necessarily do that but uh that that is the run that's that's the way things are going now i obama didn't do that either but uh, that's yeah, that's right. what it's going to be from now on. Like, and that's what makes him the best president in our lifetime. Is that that's the, he just didn't oh, the bar was low. You just didn't have to give your idiot kid a job they didn't deserve. That was it. Just avoid <laughs> nepotism. Best president in our lifetime. All right. So now he's in charge. Men were returning from home after David had killed the Philistine. I guess that's, I think that might be Goliath. I'd have to go back and check. Don't quote me on that. This pleased all the, um, no, killed the Philistine. The women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing and songs of joy and timbrels and. Ooh, timbrels. Tim, timbrels and Tim Lambesis's and lyres. And as they danced, they sang Saul has slain his thousands, but David, his tens of thousands. Oh, and that made Saul angry. It's not enough to kill a thousand people anymore. You need to kill tens of them. So this refrain really displeased him greatly. 
that they credited David with all of these murders. Uh, but him with only some, only a few murders wasn't good. Yeah. So, I mean, from that time on, murder's a strong word. Philistines aren't people. They're not. And it's very clear from the biblical narrative that if you're, that, that they're not people. I'll timbrel uh, Philistines that. and Canaanites. If you're a Canaanite or a Philistine, if those might actually be <laughs> the same, but they're basically orcs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just kill them all. <laughs> so from this time on, now that his, uh, his, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, ego, his ego. It was really, really. It was, it wasn't getting stroked in the same way that his son, Jonathan Mm. was getting stroked. That's it. Uh, so now he's angry. He's keeping a close eye on David. So then he has this idea, right? And this is where we get a really cool picture of how the Lord moved back then, uh, but changed now. Our pastors don't want to talk about this, but it does say that the next day an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. <gasps> oh, first of all, we see that consent is a big problem here. Lack of consent forcefully on Saul. That's not cool from God, especially in an, evil, an spirit, evil spirit. He's got a few in his little bag of tricks uh, that he, he occasionally like, pulls out and sprinkles on people and apparently what the evil spirit looked like mm, i would say when at, at the end of the cartoon version of aladdin when jafar turns into the genie that's what i think of i like to think of randy mcnally <laughs> mixed with uh one of the like the celibites from uh hellraiser you know what another look for Randy McNally is? Is, <laughs> is I'm getting like real Jabba the Hutt vibes. Put a mustache on Jabba the Hutt and now you've got Randy McNally in that interview. Yeah, or like the uh the the guy, the shirtless guy in the like conical headdress in Jabba's palace. Okay. I'm seeing that. What about um Crane? Is it Crane from Ninja Turtles. <laughs> he like like Randy pulls up his shirt and there's a little Ben Shapiro head in there that's doing all the thinking for him. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh the next day an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul and he was prophesying in his house while David was playing the liar, as he usually did. And Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it, saying to him, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. So that means Saul threw two spears, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had departed from Saul. This stuff is really interesting to me that like, there's this like weird back and forth of whose side God is on as though it's like, and then everybody knows it. Like Saul's like, shit, God was on my side, but now he's not. And how does he know that? It's unclear, but everybody seems to be in on what's happening. Hmm. So I feel that this could be a mistranslation. Um, Rather than pin him to the wall, could he have wanted to peg him to the wall as his son Jonathan was known to do? (laughs) We could. David, quick on his feet, he tucked and rolled twice and eluded his his uh, his his javelin point. Yeah. 
You know, I'd have to I'd have to cross reference that with some uh, extra biblical texts, but perhaps perhaps we could get there. I like to take it back to the original Greek here and there. You know, the when I'm dealing Greek? with the Old Testament. Yeah, no, it makes sense. You have a very good understanding of how all of this works, and <laughs> we make a great team. All right. So this is when Saul gets real tricky. And uh, I think this is where David might learn a good few tactics. So Saul's afraid of David because, of course, God's with him now and changed teams, as God does seem to do occasionally in the Old Testament from time to time. So he went. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men. So it's like it's kind of weird. He's like, I occasionally get enraged and try to murder you. And then I go, but you are still in charge of my troops. So. When we're not alone, when I when I don't have a moment alone to kill you, I'll give you missions. Uh, real like bipolar disorder kind of Saul thing going on here. I love, uh, oh, it, to be a oh to be a soldier in the army at this point, where you're like preparing to go into battle. You probably didn't choose to be there either. You probably got like drafted and forced into compulsory service. You get there and you're like, so who's in charge of the outfit? And they're like, that kid. And you're like, who is he? And they're like, he rims King Saul's son. <laughs> you're like, before, okay, that, well. he, before that, he herded sheep. I had a uh, great 15 did, years on this planet, I guess. And he did, <laughs> he did kill one giant. So, I mean, who should be in charge but the guy who oh, yeah. killed one giant? Yeah, he, he whips a mean rock. <laughs> he can... He can He's the stone skipping champion of Israel. <laughs> 15 skips over the river Nile, the Nile River. <laughs> Not those ones that are in real fast succession either. These are like good long skips that you could count. Yeah, like what's uh at the beginning of like a 21st century media movie? What is what's the uh when movies start and that little screen comes down and someone skips a rock across the water? That's a thing, right? Uh-huh. Bloom house. I'm not a movie buff. I'm not a cinephile, so it's hard to know. Uh, <laughs> he sends David away, and he gives him a mission. He gives him command over a thousand men, and let's uh, and in everything. No, and everything David did, of course, he had great success because the Lord was with him. They have to say that every three verses, lest ye forget. That wasn't an actual verse. Uh, just I'm in that mindset now, so most of what I say will sound biblical. Uh, and when Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him again. But all of Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. So Saul just decides to do this thing where he just gives him shitty mission after shitty mission. And David's like, take that. I'm going to put that in my back pocket. And I'm going to do this to somebody whose wife I want to have sex with later. Uh, but here Saul goes, here's my, uh, here's my older daughter, Merib, and I'll give her to you in marriage only serve me bravely and fight the battles of the Lord. For Saul said to himself, I will not raise a hand against him. I'm going to let the Philistines do that. Right. That line sounds familiar. I love the full circleness of, of the Hebrew scriptures. After really he's been killing all these cool. Philistines, he's yeah. been just owning them at every chance. And he's like, that's probably the move. Yeah. Like, he's like, just a complete success. Yeah. And, and uh, like the doting husband of his, of his son. He's he's like BC Jared Kushner. It'd be like it'd be like the crew from the Fast and Furious 
losing at the end of the seventh movie. <laughs> we know that's not going to happen. Like Vin Diesel loses the foot race or whatever, and the <laughs> franchise just tumbles into oblivion. It would so, be but great. David said to Saul, who am I and who is my family or my clan in Israel that I should become the king's son-in-law? So when the time came to, for Merib, Saul's daughter, to be given to David, she was actually given in marriage to Adriel of Meholah, a name that we'll probably never hear again, but we get to know it because he's not a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that. I was like, well, I don't know who that guy is, but, you know, he's a guy. <laughs> To be fair, we did learn about Marib, uh, and she was the one who married Adriel, but I don't know. I'm not sure what the what the criteria are for when you can and cannot utter a woman's name. Uh, but Saul's know. daughter. Shout out Marib. So whatever. She gets married to some other person uh, that we'll never hear about again. But Saul's daughter, Michal, I don't know, was in love with David. And when they told Saul about <laughs> it, he was pleased. I will give her to him, he thought, so that she may be a snare to him, which is a really, I mean, can you think of a better way to think about your own daughter? <laughs> <laughs> she must suck. I know. He's like, God, this one. Finally. Finally. I can she, she's the Don Jr. of this family. <laughs> she's like the daughter who always says, well, actually, and then <laughs> something else. Nobody likes the well, actually person. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give him to her, and he thought she'll be a snare to him, and so that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Okay, so maybe he's like, oh, he's going to love this. Maybe he does think quite highly of his daughter, and he's like, he's going to love this one so much that he's just going to have fuck brain all the time, and he'll just <laughs> he'll forget how to fight the Philistines because he'll just be jerking off all the time, and then they'll just kill him. So clearly he the train of thought was a little bit different than maybe I had originally thought. So Saul says to David, look, you have a second opportunity to become my son-in-law. And David's like, bitch, why would I want to be your son-in-law after you tried to impale me twice? And he's like, Saul's over here treating it like a privilege. He's like, man, you really fucked up the first time, but don't let this opportunity escape you. You have another chance. And David's like, that sounds like a bad, bad deal. So Saul ordered his attendants to speak to David privately. And they're just like, look, the king likes you. Ignore the times that he's tried to kill you. He does actually like you. Uh, and his attendants, we all love you. So just, God damn it, dude, become his son-in-law. And they just repeat these words to David over and over. And David's like, what do you, what do you think I'm supposed to do here? Just become the king's son-in-law? I'm only a poor man and little known, which is a strange take because it seems like everybody knows who he is. Uh, and if he's, I guess that actually could make sense. I think you could just be in command of thousands of troops and be basically like have the King desperately trying to make you their son-in-law and still be poor in that world. I guess poverty is for everyone who isn't a King. You know, uh, nothing about this story makes any sense. So I guess this one little detail is not something to worry about too much. Yeah. Well, here's where things get spicy. So he we says, get uh, succulent puds. So he's he's like, look, I'm poor, man. I'm he's. I think if we read read told this story in uh, just modern day, he would be like, he's clearly Gen Z. 
and Saul is one of the guys who tanked uh, S, uh, SVB. So I think maybe we could like redo the story. Uh, like, like, and, uh, it's like David, uh, David and Jonathan, uh, Silicon Valley love story, something like that. You know, I think we could okay. make it work in modern day. We need to work on the title. That, I'm not proud of that. Um, so anyway, he says he's poor and Saul's like, look, uh, Saul, Saul says, David, man, the King doesn't want, cause that's right. If he's like, look, you can marry my daughter, but I forgot there's this whole thing where you like, you can say yes, but then you actually, it's not really an offer or a gift. You have to buy her. Um, it's not like a freebie, like, Hey, she loves you. Um, so marry my daughter. And then you're like, yeah, I'd love to. And you go, okay, now you owe me $10,000. It's something like that. Uh, so Saul says to David, King wants no other price for the bride than a hundred Philistine foreskins to take revenge on his enemies. Saul's plan was to have David fall by the hands of the Philistines. I think he just assumed that if you have to sneak into a camp and slice the tip off of 100 dicks, you will 100% be dead before you accomplish that. So, yeah, you never know. Maybe he uh maybe he talked him into giving him up willingly. Yeah. Well, there is there's another story in the Old Testament where somebody does do that and that would be a fun one to read. Uh maybe he told him is. that it was uh oh yeah, that was the one where they they talked him into getting circumcised and then the yep. brothers and went then in when and they're all like all. yeah, they circumcise them all and then they like at, when they're all like the next day when they're all like incapacitated, they just run them through every single one of them. Pretty brutal. I think he probably told them that being circumcised as an adult man without an aesthetic is a surefire way. It's a shortcut to ketosis. And they were trying to cut. They were in a cutting phase. I'm trying to maintain a jawline. (laughs) I'm I'm a little bothered that more of these storylines didn't find their way into like a Game of Thrones story. That would have made such <laughs> for such a good Game of Thrones plot. So like, anyway, I want, David, uh, three hundred pairs of severed balls for a dowry. <laughs> for my yeah, <laughs> and like you know, at weddings when they hang like the the twinkle, those like thick twinkle lights, and or when you're out at a nice restaurant and the the lights are just dangling from. The, is it a pergola? Is that what they call them? Yeah, uh, or like a gazebo. Yeah, but with that you can still get rained on if you're outside when it's raining. I don't. Apparently, they block the sun, but they don't block the elements, so it's it's, it's a choice. But but instead of the little twinkle lights, you just dangle a bunch of testicles from them, and that's how you decorate your palace <laughs> and, and for a wedding. It's really quite nice. So they, they set up uh, the novelty photo booth under the uh, the dripping foreskin pergola. The crown and, but it's fun because you got like, you know, novelty large glasses and a fake mustache and a funny little green hat, you know, tiny hat <laughs> you can put on. And it's it's fun for pictures. Yeah, those are the 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 novelty large glasses are classic. You got to wear those. If they're there, far you're most putting popular. them on. Uh so David is uh yeah, he's tasked with with collecting a hundred foreskins and considering David is just fucking awesome at everything he does. 
It says, uh, when the attendants told David these things, he was pleased to become the king's son-in-law. I don't, weird shift, man. Like the guy did try to kill you. Maybe don't jump at the opportunity to collect a hundred foreskins. Like it's a fucking bargain. That's you like you got a discount on his daughter because you have to collect a hundred foreskins. You get the 100 foreskins discount. I want to see Macy's advertise that as a discount in their flyer. Like, I think that should be adapted into common vernacular. It's like just the 100 foreskins discount. However much bride price was and whatever the going rate for a hundred foreskins was get the percent from that. And then that is like the hundred foreskins discount. Yeah, I think that would work. How do you suppose he killed a hundred Philistines? Like maybe he and his, his, a few of his men, like got them running and uh, kind of herded them off a cliff into a big bloody well, pile. And then it doesn't I say, mean, he I mean, I would, as- I would assume they killed them. I would assume that Why? Cause you wouldn't give up your foreskin without a fight. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I already did. I guess that's <laughs> touche point made. <laughs> well, David took his men with him and went out and, Oh, you're right. They killed him. I didn't want to get ahead of the story, but he took his men and they killed 200 Philistines and brought back their foreskins. And they counted on the full number to the king. They counted them out. I would like one foreskin, two foreskin, three foreskin, all the way to 200. (laughs) And they counted out the full number to the king so that David might become the king's son-in-law. Do you think he was literally like standing there with just like armfuls of bloody foreskins and he's like, Thanks. And he starts like tucking he's, them into his big pockets. He's got him. You know when, uh, <laughs> you know when people would take the plastic gasket top, whatever it's fucking called, out of like a Coke bottle, peel out the middle, and slowly stretch it out so they could fit around their wrist. Their wrist. That's that's like what he did. Collect them. That's what he did. He wore them around his wrist like a bunch of silly bands, <laughs> like those two thousand eight rave kids. Yeah. <laughs> all right then saul was like a deal's a deal and he gave him his daughter in marriage honestly he should have got two daughters for that whatever he got what he got uh then saul realized that the lord was with david and that his daughter loved david saul became still more afraid of him and he remained his enemy the rest of his days and the Philistine commanders continued to go out to battle as they did. And David met with more and more success than the rest of Saul's officers. And his name became well-known. The end. Amen. Where's Jonathan through all this? I don't know. I, I, He must show back up, right? He's just like a, he just keeps no, him he at does. home as he's he like a trophy show back husband. Um, maybe we can get back into that. Uh a little bit later, but Saul tries to kill David again. And then they like run out and hide together. Yeah. Next chapter, Saul, uh, listens to Jonathan and took out an oath and says, surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So Jonathan's pleading with his dad not to kill his lover. And, uh, it's just, it's big back and forth till eventually Saul. And then David has a chance to kill Saul when Saul goes to chase him into a cave. And then it's just like this one-on-one, uh, and then they actually look, they lock eyes and they passionately make out and then fuck each other. And then that just begins weird. Uh, so then Saul's like, I really have to kill this guy. I can't let him, I can't let this story get out. So it 
shit gets even wilder. Uh, that may or may not happen. I can't exactly remember if that's what happened in the cave, but either way, uh, there is there the next chapter has a lot more back and forth. Maybe we can read that one together next time and work through it and discuss the themes that come up and and get closer to the Lord together. Well, I feel like out of all the uh, stories that we've covered, like Bible stories we've gone over, this is probably the one that would make the people in my life that are still Christians the most angry. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, they would just, it would more like, I mean, why? I guess why? Because the, the, the because Jonathan. Gay. Yeah. No, they, but we, <laughs> we hear gay. these stories our whole life and they're just like that. No, they're friends. And you go, uh, dad, have you ever had a friend like that? And they're like, oh, gross. No, never. I would never have a friend like that. I'd never be that close to a friend. And then you're like, so that's kind of the tell, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I remember it's a like couple going of back to Aladdin, When Genie sings, you ain't never had a friend like me. Changes yeah, the story Jeannie a lot. Can, he can shapeshift. And maybe that was part of what Jonathan could do. <laughs> he could expand and contract. He could vibrate. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that was his spiritual gift as he could vibrate. <laughs> he was just, maybe he wasn't real. And it was like, just a, he was a big inflatable sex doll. Uh, it was like the movie Her. Well, not Her. Uh, what was the one with, um, mm, God damn it. I'm never going to remember his name now that I have to on the spot. The pianist? Nope. Guy from uh, Place Beyond the Pines or whatever the fuck it was called. Who everyone oh, Ryan Reynolds. Loves. No, 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 this is great. We're doing a good job. Oh my God. I can't think of the guy's name. He's a beautiful man. Yeah. And everybody loves him. And he's got like, like sad boy face. Yes. Ryan Gosling is, um, why was he even trying to think of his name? It eludes me. It eludes us all. Oh, cause he had a movie where he like had a sex doll as a girlfriend. Didn't he? Yeah, I can't. I never saw it, but I know what you're talking about. Well, it's relevant, Anywho, I'm sure. Uh, I hope that you, you know, really enjoyed uh, first, you know, our gay story about the lieutenant governor of Tennessee, and secondly, our gay story about uh, David and Jonathan and how they docked with severed foreskins. And uh, <laughs> I hope you didn't enjoy the uh, the banking part because you shouldn't. It's awful. It's ruining all of our lives. <laughs> so if you're enjoying the show leave us a review wherever you listen to it and share it with your buddies and uh if you're not in the discord yet jump in there uh we got got a few new people that have joined recently so that's cool jump in you can find a link on our instagram and our link tree and uh yeah any anything else samuel uh i feel like we might have made an announcement about it before um, maybe it was one of the weeks I wasn't on, but if you go to our Instagram page there and click on our link tree there, uh, there is a link that says, so you want to be on a podcast. If you have a story, if you're interested in being on a podcast, we have had, if we've mentioned it before, but we've had a couple of people join us who were, uh, people we connected with mostly through happenstance and realized they had really fucking cool stories to tell um our friend jenna was one of them 
and she was the one whose dad was the uh, live a life on the lamb and basically just a conned churches left and right. So we've just met a few people through the podcast uh, that through conversations realized they had wild and cool stories that we wanted to talk about. So uh, if you have a story that you think is uh, pretty cool and you'd like to talk about it, uh, go ahead and fill out that form. And obviously uh, no guarantees that we're going to reach out to everyone who fills it out. Um, but it is there for us to be able to, to take a look through and see. Uh, the reward is in getting to fill out a form. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm not <laughs> selling it. I'm not selling for it. You. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. I'm not selling it right. But anyway, if it's a thought of yours and you think your story is something you'd like to tell and we'll give it a read and we'll decide as content creators, if we would like to turn it into <laughs> weekly content. So otherwise you'll just never hear from us and it makes us sound like assholes, but that's the way things work. If you want to tell it your story and we don't get back to you, start a podcast. Thing. What? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week and we will see you next time.